good evening, and thank you for joining us again on Blog Talk Radio. This is Deal for Your House. Uh, my name is David Murray. I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. Uh, how are you, Dorothy? I'm doing well. How are you doing, David? I'm doing well. I'm going to, in keeping with um, with um, some convictions that I have gotten from the Lord in regards to um, teaching on uh, Blog Talk, I'm going to try to continue to keep the lessons as concentrated, as to the point, and as sharp as possible. So for for, for you, Dorothy, that's noticed a change a little bit in how I do things, um, and for my listeners, um, you know, I'm going from two hours to trying to go to one hour. Um, I, I don't believe, don't think that you're getting shortchanged on anything. It's just I'm really trying to focus um, on what we're sharing and what we're interacting with so it's easier to to apply and to take back to the Lord in your own prayer time. It's just easier to to digest and walk through that. Um, also, again, I'm going to keep mentioning this. For those of you that have heard it, I apologize. Um, I do have a website, a blog that I started a little over a year ago. It is called um, Zeal for Your House. It's at dwmurray.com. Um, and th- Pretty much everything that I talk about in some way or another, number one, you'll you'll for, for those of you that are listening to me or or if this draws upon your spirit and if it doesn't and you move on, you just listen to me the first time or the last time or whatever it is, um, that's fine, you know, praise the Lord. But if um you are listening and you're listening regularly, you'll find that there's the themes all seem to click in and lock in, and there's a reason for that. That's because the Bible is is the cohesive word of God, it's a cohesive diary. It's a cohesive impartation of his revealed heart to his children. And so in the same way, a lot of the things that I talk about and share always ultimately point us back to the throne room, back to who he is as our dad, as our savior, as our, as, as our comforter, the Holy Spirit that lives in us, and who we are as children. Because every topic we discuss, every topic that we go over, any subject, any scripture, always will be filtered through the idea and the perception of who our heavenly dad is and who we are in relation to our creator. Um, so in one form or another, that's, we always come back to that foundation, to what the word of God says, because that is the foundation with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Um, and that, that, that cornerstone is revealed to us through the righteousness of Christ that we were given at the cross. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about, you know, what it is to walk in the realm of the spirit, um, and and kind of go past the idea of that and the theology of that and into application. Um, and I've, I've said this before, theology is divine by a set of beliefs or, uh, doctrines that are placed together that form our beliefs. That's one definition of theology. Theology is not, and please don't take this out of context. Theology is not meant to be the ultimate source in which we govern our life. Our ultimate, how we're ultimately meant to govern our life is through communion with the Lord, through a living, breathing relationship. There is no theology in heaven. There's only him, and we will be in perfect union with him. That's why it says he is the living word. We have the living word on the inside of us. And the reason why that's important is because many of us can get caught up in theology, not realizing theology is the safety net. The word of God is our safety net from which we use as 
the written cornerstone to experience communion with the living cornerstone. So I just wanted to um, to reiterate that and and for us to meditate on that a little bit because that's very important without realizing it. Any one of us at any point in our walk can begin to drift to two extremes. We can drift to experiences and take our eyes off our Lord and Savior, off our Creator, or we can drift to the other ditch of that and turn to theology to feed our self-worth and take our eyes off our Creator and our communion with Him. He did not die and redeem us so that we can have good theology. He died to redeem us so that we can have a nice, good, intimate relationship with Him, with the Bible as our safeguard. So please understand what I'm taking. We do not throw out the Word of God. It's being thrown out today in many fellowships, um, in many New Age sects of born-again Christianity. The Word of God is being attempted to be redefined and taken out of context. I am not saying that um, at all. It is the written foundation from which we are called to enter into a living relationship with our Redeemer and, and our Heavenly Father. Through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, by walking in the realm of the Spirit. So um, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Before we do, we'll open up in prayer uh, quickly. Lord God, I thank you for an impartation of your truth, of your revelation upon the Spirit, the minds, and the physical temple of every listener, Lord God, whether they be listening live or listening um, at some point down the road to this teaching, to this recording. I thank you for the eyes of the body of Christ being enlightened to see you, Lord God, and that all things, all things that I utter, that I speak, Lord God, I empty myself of, of the dead man. I turn from the dead man and I pick up Christ. I pick up you and I thank you for Speaking through me, Lord God, for being a broken, open, willing vessel flowing in your spirit and your power to minister to your children. Thank you, Lord God, that we keep our eyes fixed upon the author and finisher of our faith. That we turn collectively as one body composed of many giftings, many callings, many parts, many functions. You and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so walking in um, in the realm of the spirit. First, the, we'll talk about here is what does it mean? This, there's going to be four parts to this, really. First is walking. What is the spirit? What does that mean to walk in the realm of the spirit? What is the spirit? Uh, the second is um, is what is walking in the spirit. So the first one, what is the realm of the spirit? Then what is walking in the spirit? Third point is what hinders us from walking in it. And fourth, how to overcome it, and then learn to Ebuy become immersed in it. Um, so those are the four areas that we're gonna that we're gonna hit today. And uh, the first, what is spirit? What is what is the spirit? What is the realm of the spirit? Uh, simply put, the scriptures say that Jesus, through Him, bore for Him, and by Him, all things were created. Nothing was created without Him. Um, to to simplify it, and and it's easy to make it simplified because it's not difficult. There are two realms. There is the natural realm or the carnal realm. For those of us that are, that are sitting or standing, whatever we're doing, what we can feel and touch with our physical bodies and what we can see with our physical 
or interact with our five senses is the natural realm, the earthly realm, the human realm, the, the carnal realm, the material realm. There is that realm is subject to the realm of the spirit. Uh, John 4.24 says God is spirit. It is a realm, I can't even say just as real, it is more real than this realm. It is, it is the realm in which God lives. Just as there are lamps and tables and chairs and, and people interacting, there is the same thing going on in another realm, but it's a realm made of spiritual matter, not earthly matter. That realm rules this realm. That's, that's important to understand. We'll get into that more in other teachings down the road. But the foundations for it's a realm that is more real. It governs this realm. It governs this realm through two principalities, through, through the fallen kingdom of Satan, who's been defeated and placed under our feet, and through the realm of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything has been given authority and dominion under his name. So simply put, is the realm, what is the spirit realm? It's the realm in which God governs. He governs and rules everything, right? In the simplest form, he, he is over everything, but he abides in spirit because he is spirit. So it's a realm, it's a kingdom, it's an existence that is completely overlaps to this one um, here on earth, both and in heaven that is of a different matter. It's of spirit matter. This is where we are called to interact and commune with the Lord. So that takes us to our second point is what is walking in the spirit? Simply put, walking in the spirit is communing. And when people say, well, I, you know, I commune, you know, with the Lord. I spend time, you know, talking to him. There's a difference between communing with him in the flesh and communing with him in the spirit. And we're going to get into where that is. And, and uh, let me back up here. This is super important. Please remember, brothers and sisters, everything we talk about must be filtered through the understanding there's no condemnation. As children of God, God never condemns us as his children. He never imparts shame or inferiority or a, a sense that we are not acceptable or that we need to feel bad because we have not measured up to a standard. That Those are thinking that is a mindset that is of demonic origin. It puts shame and self-condemnation on us. It forces us to attempt to earn something in order to feel that we can earn love or acceptance or self-worth. Um, my website is loaded with, with all the information on that. You're welcome to check that out. And, and, and really, everything we talk about, we'll always funnel down to that foundation. We are made the righteousness of Christ. The reason why that's important is because when I talk about how when we're meant to walk and abide in the spirit and we commune, we commune in spirit. For those of you that, as we're going on realizing I haven't been communing in spirit, it's, it's been of my mind, my intellect, my soul. This is a message of encouragement and adjustment that will bring life-changing um, things into place in your life. There's no condemnation in that. So I just wanted to share that. Walking in the spirit is, so first we said it's communion. The second is, um, to build on that, walking in the spirit is to live by your spirit man and not the flesh or the soul. Okay, walking in the spirit means to be living in restored and proper relationship to how we were created. The way we were created 
is we are a spirit being. We are spirit matter. We have a body that is spirit. We have eyes and ears and sense of touch. We have at the very least the five senses that are spirit. We have a spirit um, a spirit person that's on the inside of us. That is truly who we are. Possess a mind, a will, and emotions. That is our soul, and that is all housed within our fleshly temple, our body. But it's very important to understand we are spirit beings. The spirit is meant to live our spirit, who we are. We are spirit beings, we. So when I talk about we, I'm always referring to who we are as a spirit being. I'm never referring to the soul. If I ever am, I'll say your soul. But who we are, when I say how we're meant to, I'm talking about our spirit person, our spirit man. We are meant to commune actively and be in active union with the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.10 tells us that God reveals things by the Spirit. He does not reveal things to the mind or the soul. He reveals things to the Spirit because God is Spirit. And that's how we commune with him. The soul is a servant. We are spirit beings. The soul is a servant. Our body is a slave. Our body has no say in any matter. not designed to have any say. It responds to the soul who is a servant and an active willing participant to who we are as a spirit being. Ezekiel 39.29 says, I will not hide my face from them any longer, for I have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, declares the Lord. Speaking prophetically of what Jesus was going to do, the new covenant that was coming. I'll say that again. I will not hide my face from them any longer, for I will have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, declares the Lord. So the question that I want to ask is what hid God's face from them? Why were they not able to see the face of God? And the answer is because lack of his spirit. That's why he said, I will not hide my face because I will pour out my spirit. That's why today, and, and I constantly reiterate this because the body of Christ needs to understand who we are. And there's several facets to who we are, to being his righteousness and to also recognize we had been brought into a better covenant than the Old Testament believers. We do not go back to the Old Covenant. The scriptures say, Hebrews says, those back there longed to experience what we have. They look to the future, to the redemption and the fulfillment of everything that would be accomplished on the cross. We are not meant to go back. We're under a better covenant with the Holy Spirit residing inside of us. And much of the problems that we have in the body of Christ is because we mix and jumble covenants. We don't understand the covenant that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so we quote Old Testament types and shadows that were fulfilled in Christ. And um, Hebrews 8.6 says we have the better, prom- the better promises. Uh, 8.6 says, but in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as far superior to theirs as the covenant in which he is a mediator is superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established on better promises, but there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. And here's what I want to to um, 
just expound on a little bit on that and understanding who we are as spirit beings and the covenant that we live under, the access we have to commune freely and openly in the spirit realm with our Lord is that in the old covenant, they still lived by faith. We have this mixed up theology. Well, no, they lived by the sacrifices. No, they didn't. The sacrifices were performed in obedience under the law to demonstrate the faith that Messiah was coming. Because the scriptures say apart from faith, if our, our, our beliefs apart from faith are useless. They're dead. Faith without works is dead. Their faith in the Lord was exercised through the types and shadows that were offered in the sacrifices with Jesus being the fulfillment of the sacrifices. The entire book of Hebrews expounds on that to the Jews that, that were born-again believers in the first century. The reason why that's important to understand is because it's not that we live by faith and they didn't live by faith. We both live by faith. Both believers, the Old Testament believers, the Old Testament saints, and the New Testament saints live in faith. The better covenant is that we have the Holy Spirit in us. And the body of Christ is being called by our Heavenly Dad to stop thinking as an Old Covenant believer. We must stop thinking as an old covenant believer and we must challenge every word that is spoken against the word of God in context under the right dispensation, under the right covenant. And uh, that's something that is not a strong suit in the body of Christ, at least not here in America. Um, we don't. We get into fellowship or we, we interact and we always are quoting old covenant and we are thinking by old covenant. And we really need to take our thoughts captive to understand what we're believing and is that consistent to the New Testament covenant that was released on the day of Pentecost. So we're under a better covenant. We have better promises that we have received. We receive the promise, which is the Holy Spirit. So the third part is what hinders us from walking in the realm of the Spirit. The simple answer is always the same. It is sin. Sin is defined, and we'll keep definition of sin very broad, very scriptural, and very easy. We're not going to talk about different types of sin. We're just going to talk about sin. Sin, the scriptures are defined as two things. Doing what you know you're not supposed to do, or not doing what you know you are supposed to do. That is the definition of sin. The Greek word for sin is to, is to miss the mark. It's to either do something you sh you is to do something that you shouldn't have done, or to <laughs> whatever that is to do what you're supposed to do and to not do what you're not supposed to do. If you've either done one or the other, uh, that is sin. John four twenty four. We started off with this earlier. God is spirit, and His worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. And what I want to emphasize in this part of the scripture right now is truth. Any area we are not thinking, believing, and acting in accordance to his truth means we are not walking in the spirit realm. We are not walking in the realm of the spirit in communion with him in that area of our life. 2 Corinthians 3.14 says, But their minds were made dull 
For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Paul was speaking to the believers that met in the city of Corinth, comparing them to the old covenant as the context of what he was addressing here. He's saying, to this day, those that haven't received Christ, the Old Testament believers, the Jews that are rejecting the gospel, to this day, those same people, when they're standing in the temple, when they're hearing the words of Moses being written in the Torah, a veil is over their eyes. And the reason why a veil is over the eyes of the unbelieving, guys, is because any area that we are not walking by the mind of Christ given to us at salvation means we are walking in the carnal mind, which we died to. And Romans 8, 7 says the carnal mind is hostile to God and will never submit itself to God. So the principle is the same. It says in 2 Corinthians 3.14, only in Christ is that veil removed. If we are not walking in agreement to God's word, that means we have a veil over our spiritual eyes and over our hearts, and we cannot commune with God in any area where there's a veil there. And that's, that's really important. And at the same time, it makes things pretty simple. If there's ever an area we feel like we are just not moving in understanding the Lord or if we're we're just struggling through a situation or there's an area of our life we can't seem to break free and to get freedom from, examine your belief system. And I will guarantee you, we trace that belief system back, there's some point where we are contending with what God's word says. And any area where we're contending with God's word, it says there is a veil that is over us spiritually. So that's the first hindrance. The first and primary area of manifestation of sin in our lives is that we do not walk in truth. We contend with the truth of his word on whatever subject we're contending about. Um, And the first thing, foundation, is righteousness, is understanding we've been made holy and blameless and complete in his eyes. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Colossians 1.21, Hebrews 10.10, Ephesians 1.6, 1 Corinthians 6.11, and Ephesians 5.25, talking about love and the covenant. Uh, Those are some scriptures I won't get into now on the website, on the blog. Uh, You can look them up. I encourage you to look them up. That is the foundation of our relationship with the Lord, is understanding The the accomplished work of the cross gave us not only the gift of salvation, but that salvation was able to be given to us through the cross because he made us righteous. That's the only reason why we have salvation is because the shed blood on the cross made us righteous, which placed us in reconciled relationship with the Lord, which by definition is salvation. We can't separate the two. The body of Christ for, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years has, has tried to separate the two. Oh, well, we're, we're saved, but we're still a sinner. Now, the only reason why we're saved is because we no longer are sinners, because the blood of Christ covered and removed and washed away the dead man. Without righteousness, there is no salvation. It's impossible to separate the two. We need to stop doing that. That's contending with his word. And that's what causes so much confusion in the body of Christ. 
is that we try to split what is, is inseparable in the kingdom of heaven, in the realm of the spirit. So hopefully that, that made some sense. Um, uh, Amos 3.3 3 says, Can two walk the same path unless they are agreed? This means there is no communion in the arena of our life with our Savior where we are not in agreement with him. We cannot walk in communion with him if we're not agreed on the topic, on the truth of the matter, on the truth of that subject. We, we cannot walk in communion with him. So again, all of this goes back to what hinders us from walking to it um, is the first and foremost, the sin of not abiding in his truth is not abiding in agreement with him. Everything can be traced back to that in some form or another. Um, I won't go off on any rabbit trails, but I know there's people there, some questions with that. We'll get, we'll get into that a little bit more. Acts 17:28. for in him, we live and move and have our being. That's Acts 17:28. Again, the recordings of Luke talking to the saints, saying it's in Christ we live and move and have our being. It means to be in him. We commune with him in spirit, in truth. We can only do this by resting or abiding in the truth with him and with his word. Um, you know what, let me camp on there for a minute. One of the reasons, uh, church family, that there's there's such a, 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 a lack of discipleship, there's such a lack of, of, uh, of spiritual uh, elders. I'm not talking about appointed positions. I'm talking about spiritual elders according to Hebrews 5.12 for the time when you ought to be um, teachers and elders. You have need that someone teach you again the first principles. Um, if you go on to read that section of verse, it says, because you have not been trained in righteousness. That's what an elder is. An elder is someone who understands their identity in Christ. And from that position of rest and identity and worth, we are able to raise each other up to the full stature of Christ. There's this false doctrine that goes around that saying, well, there's some people that are appointed to be elders and everyone else is just a sheep. We are all called to move into the full stature, image, and nature of our Lord and Savior. That means every one of you are called to walk in the realm of the spirit. And I understand for some of us that, we, you know, we, we don't know what that means. Uh, so I'll paint a little bit of a picture to go back a little bit to point to what is it walking in the spirit. It's to have communion with the Lord. It's to interact in his realm. It's... Um, that realm is very, very real. And we are meant to live and move and have our being in Christ. We have been systematically watering down the word here in America to think that we can attempt to commune with him from our flesh or from our soul. And we've attempted to make communing with him theology. Well, I have really good theology. So when I read the word, I think on it, I meditate on it. And praise God, there's a place for that but we do not commune with the Lord in our mind. We commune with him by our spirit man. And the first way that we, that, that, that we recognize what hinders from that is, is not walking in his truth. It's through any sin, doing something we shouldn't or not doing something we know we should. 
we do not commune through our mind, will, and emotions. And um, so that's that's important to understand. Uh, let's move on to, to number three. Um, point number four. So the first is what is what is the realm of the spirit? It's, it's simply put, although God created everything, it is his kingdom um, from which he rules, from which he abides, from which he manifests his presence. Um, what is walking in the spirit? Walking in the spirit is interacting with him in the mind of Christ and um, having a relationship, having communion where our spirit being, who we are, is interacting and fellowshipping with the spirit of Christ. What hinders us from walking in that, the absolute number one thing that hinders us from walking in that is that we contend with his word. And one of the reasons why we contend with his word is it's a hard it's hard to hear, but it, it's speaking the truth in love. The reason why we contend with his word is because it, it makes us feel better to hold on to our own belief systems than to risk letting them go to dare to believe that what God's word says is true. And I, I know I know there's many people that will disagree with that and would want to argue with that. Um, that's just the reality. If we trace back our fears, our anxieties, what makes us tick is that we place value and worth and place our identity, our specialness upon things different than what the Word of God says, which says that we can't earn love and acceptance. We have been made positionally righteous and we're talking about walking in the realm of the spirit. We're talking about entering into relational righteousness so that we can freely commune with the way he created us in the better covenant to commune. And we do that in spirit and in truth. Um, so that, that's the greatest hindrance of walking in it is that our mind, our belief system, we attempt to commune and interact with God through our soul that is not walking by the mind of Christ. We walk to the dead carnal minded man that we die to. And if, if the easiest way is to begin examining, how does God really see me? Write it down on a piece of paper. Here's a wonderful lesson. Here's a great lesson. Write down on the left side of a piece of paper, all the attributes of Jesus, all the things about Jesus. Then underneath that, at whatever point you want to stop, write down maybe 10, 10, 10 or 15 things about him. After that, write around, write the top five things or top ten things the way you think Jesus sees you. On another piece of paper, write down the equal amount of attributes about our heavenly dad that we see. And underneath that, write down how our heavenly dad sees us and compare the notes between the two, if you're honest with yourself. The difference between how we see Jesus and how we see our heavenly dad is the degree that we contend with his word. So I'm not going to get into that too much, but that will be a litmus test for those of you that struggle with that a little bit. So how do we overcome and learn to abide in the realm of the spirit? And this is where we're going to spend the, the, the most of the remainder of our time because this is what's most important is how to do it. The first we talked about what is the realm of the spirit? What is walking in the spirit? Right? It's communion. What hinders us from walking in it, which is not walking in truth, contending with his word, 
And how do we overcome and learn to abide in it? To abide means to be submersed, to walk and, in it, and live and move and have our being in the realm of the spirit because we are spirit being. That is our calling. That's what we're called to. For those of you that have, have been told either verbally or non-verbally through whatever fellowships you're in, whatever friends you have, or, or whatever the case is, I'm telling you, the Word of God says we are all called to that. It is not someone who's anointed. It is not someone who has a special call of God on their life. That's Old Covenant thinking. It's not scriptural in New Testament. Um, it's a false doctrine. And we just need to call it for what it is. It's a lie. So every one of you, if you have received Jesus as your, as your Savior and are working out the process of making him Lord in every area of your life, if you have confessed your sins, the Bible says that we have the Holy Spirit placed on the inside of us as a guaranteeing of our inheritance, and we are equipped to commune with the kingdom of heaven that is on the inside of us, the kingdom of God that's in us. Our spirit has been reconciled to the kingdom of God, and we have the Holy Spirit inside our spirit being. Communing in the spirit should be the most natural, commonplace expression of our life and existence. It is not meant to be a rare thing. It's just the opposite. That's where we belong. The scriptures say we are citizens of heaven, present tense. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places present tense. The scriptures say we now are under better covenant, have an anointing that abides in us, present tense. So just to encourage uh, all of you with that, if, if, if at any point you're getting discouraged or Satan's trying to whisper some lies, that dead carnal mind trying to speak to you, it's not for you, absolutely a lie. So how do we overcome these hindrances and, and abide in, in the realm of the spirit? Um, the, here's the number one biggest thing that I want to touch upon. Uh, the body of Christ has been taught the erroneous doctrine that to walk in the spirit realm is accomplished by denying the flesh. That's a lie. That is a false doctrine that will only breed a Pharisee. That is not, you can, you can deny the flesh all you want. You will be a well self-controlled Pharisee. I've been there, done that. It's overrated. Who cares what my life is about? The scriptures tell us that's not how it happens. The scripture verse, the single sole scripture verse that has been taken, number one, out of context to perpetuate that false doctrine is Galatians 5.16. It says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Right there. The scripture verse we hear all the time. Want to walk in the spirit? Well, you just have to deny the flesh and you walk in the spirit. That's called scriptural inversion. You cannot reverse or invert a scripture and have it say the same thing. This verse does not tell you how to walk in the spirit. Let's read the scripture again. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This verse does not tell you, instruct you, to, it does not give you the keys of how to walk in the spirit realm. This verse only tells you how you will deny the desires of the flesh. That's very important. It's, 
I'm going to say it again. It is, it is very, very important that we understand this. This has been one of the most misused and abused scriptures that have kept God's children from communing with him in spirit and in truth and have kept us in bondage to our soul, which is meant to be a servant of us as a spirit being. The reason why is because cannot invert it. If we focus on denying the flesh, we will be no more spiritual than before we started. In fact, we will be in worse case before we left because to do anything by our own strength, if we're not doing it by the Spirit, which is what this says, walk by the Spirit. So initiate this process, Paul is telling the Galatians. Remember the purpose of Galatians? The whole area of this description was given to this region. Galatians wasn't a city. It was a region. Paul was speaking to people who were getting ensnared to being born again Christians to go back under the law. So the the entire context of this book is tearing away the false doctrines that were cropping up uh, um, the born again Christians that were coming in and were trying to be um, subverted by legalistic Christians to go back under the law. And Paul is saying, if you walk by the Spirit, and he goes elsewhere to teach on how to do that. If he says, if you do this, if you learn to walk and abide in the realm of the Spirit, you will not gratify, satisfy, give into the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh is not just the body. We think of, uh, you know, whatever, you name them, the pet peeve things of the flesh. That is not just referring to that. It's talking about the things that are not of the kingdom of God. We talk about overeating or smoking or drinking or, or any vices, and we, we, we relegate it to that. That's not what Paul is talking about. He's saying, if you will walk your spirit in communion with God in the spirit realm, you will not live by the carnal person. You will not live governed by this realm. You will live by the realm of the spirit. This is not telling us to attempt out of the soul, out of the carnal man, out of the flesh, to try to deny through self-control, which the Spirit of God gave us, through self-control, deny those things, and that will somehow propel us into the spirit realm. It's a lie. Scriptures don't say that. This scripture doesn't say that. So just to encourage you guys with that, toss that scripture out. Strike that from your memory. Ask the Lord to just wipe that clean with the blood of Jesus. It will save yourself a lifetime of grief. The how, and we'll talk about how we do do it. The how is always the same. Matthew sixteen twenty four says, Then Jesus says to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. This is another doctrine that's been created, a false doctrine, um, two in one night, that's pretty cool, um, that I want to address. Um, what Jesus is saying, he is speaking to what's first our audience. The, the book of Matthew is written to Jews. It was written to born-again Jews. That's the book of Matthew. Jesus at the time was speaking to unregenerated saints, unregenerated believers. He hasn't been resurrected yet. He is telling them, whoever wants to be my follower must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. They would have to deny themselves because their self was the carnal person. The born-again believer 
who we are is a redeemed son of God. We have no business. It's, well, it's a lack of understanding who we are. It goes back to the covenant. Ourselves now under the new covenant with the Holy Spirit in us is a redeemed child of God. We don't deny ourselves. We have to stop using that language. That's old covenant language. When Jesus says deny yourself, he's saying to these dead people, these spiritually dead people, you have to deny the carnal-minded man. You must pick up your cross, which the New Testament epistles begin to expound upon. The cross is picking up Christ because Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live. Yet I live, but not I, that which is in me. The, what they're talking about is the dead man, we died to it, died to that carnal-minded man, and we picked up Christ. We are now children reconciled and redeemed and righteous. We are no longer sinners. No matter how much we sin, we are seen as the righteousness of Christ. That's not a license to sin. Galatians 6, 8 says, well, you reap what you sow. You sow to the flesh, you're going to reap death in your life. It's going to be a mess for you, your friends, your spouses, your children, your parents. Everything you touch will die. If you want to sow to that and, and roll the dice and see whether or not the scriptures are accurate with that, I don't recommend it. So you're not fooling anybody. The idea to understand that we're the righteous of Christ is so that we can begin to live the way God sees us. That's why that's so important. So taking this back full circle, Jesus is saying, whoever must, wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. principle here is the same. The principle today, what is our cross? What is the New Testament spirit-filled believer's cross today? It's the old man. The scriptures tell us we died to the old man. The old man has been crucified. We laid aside the old man, Colossians 3, 9. We laid aside the over self and we have put on the new self that's being renewed in the knowledge of Christ, Colossians 3, 9 says. Romans chapter 6 is filled with the understanding that our old self was crucified with Christ. That's Romans 6, 6. The old self was crucified with Christ. Romans 6, 3 uh, do you not know that all who have been baptized in Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? That's Romans 6.3. So we have to understand how we overcome and walk in the realm of the spirit is we, the principle is still the same. We pick up the cross of Christ, which is died for our sins. He was crucified for our sins. Our old man was crucified we need to actively make sure that old man, we stay dead to him and that we live according to our identity in Christ. So please, if we're going to quote Matthew sixteen twenty four, I beg you, we, we must think of ourselves under the right covenant. We're not old covenant believers anymore. We have the Holy Spirit. We don't deny ourselves. We deny the carnal man. We have a union with Christ. We are one with Christ. Our self is identified as the spirit of God living on the inside of us. That's just so important. The New Testament believer does not deny himself. He denies that which he's already. So, um, rounding this out, 
how do we die to the old man and walk in the realm of the spirit? Number one, we come into agreement with his word. 2 Corinthians 10.5. We must come into agreement with his word. This means repentance. That word that no one likes to talk about is actually one of the most wonderful words there is in the new covenant. Repentance means to turn. It means to turn away from something and to turn towards something. It is not the emotion. With repentance will come emotions. But repentance isn't, does not mean to be sorry. Repent means to turn. It's a change in direction. It's a change in focus. It's a decision. So the first thing is we come into agreement with his word. The second is we invite him in. Revelation 3.20. We invite him in. We invite him to be a part of every aspect of our life. We invite the spirit of God living in the inside of us to, have, to take place in every part of our spirit, soul, and body. We're temples of the Holy Spirit, the scriptures say. So we come into agreement with his word. We make the adjustments where we need to. Any areas that, that we have contended with him, we ask the Holy Spirit to show us, and he will. He absolutely will. Second is we invite him in. The third is we feed our spirit man. We must feed who we truly are. To walk by the spirit, to commune, to grow, to perceive, to interact with the the five physical, the five spiritual senses of our spirit man, we have to feed our spirit. And here's how we do that. Number one, we set our minds on the things of God. Now, earlier on, I said we don't commune with God from our souls. So some of you may be thinking, well, is that a, is that a, a contradiction? No, it's, it's not. And let me explain. We were given a soul. We were given a mind. We were given free will. We were given emotions. They, when we talked about the soul is a servant to us. I say to us because we are a spirit being. So I'll say it another way. Our soul is a servant to our spirit, which is who we are. By our mind meditating on the things of God through prayer, through word, and through putting those things into practice in action, we are training our mind to walk by the mind of Christ and to walk into submission of who we are as spirit beings. Very important that we set our minds on the things of God. Um, the second of that is to be led by the spirit. Romans 8:14 and John 16:13 speak about this. As you set your mind on the things of God, what will happen is you will begin perceiving the leading of the Holy Spirit. The more we set our mind to meditate on the things of God, I'm not talking about work, self-righteousness. I'm talking about meditating on his kingdom. Take some scriptures, that anything that you enjoy that ministers to you, turn that over in your mind. Turn it over in your spirit. Think on it. Meditate on it. Devour the word. Pray with the Lord as a friend. Just talk to him. And then where there's times where you want to put something into action, put it into action. Things of the kingdom. Jesus says, I only do what I see my father doing. There, I, oh, there's nothing more awesome than going up to a stranger 
and having a very normal, not talking about being weird, just a normal, lovely conversation and asking for permission if you could just pray for them. Just watch their face, their, their separated spirits light up. Watch their souls just light up. The scriptures say to lay hands on the sick. The scriptures say to heal the sick. They say to bless one another. Go ahead and do it. Just just have fun with it. Please do it. You can. We can be normal. We can do this being normal. Jesus was the most normal person there was. Jesus was quite normal, and he was the most spiritual. There was nothing weird about Jesus. So for any of you to say, well, you know, you're so spiritual-minded, you're no earthly good, is an unbiblical statement. There's no founding for that in context. The thing that makes us weird is that we disagree. We contend with God's word. That's what creates weirdness in our walk. We start doing things, saying things, believing things that are so ridiculous because we're not grounded in the word. We're not grounded in our identity as a child of God. And that's what makes things weird. You don't have to be weird. Just just go out there and be normal and and, and have fun and, and uh so so first way how we how we let's let's go back, let's reiterate. How how do we walk in the realm of the spirit? We die to the old man. We do this by coming into agreement with his word. We repent of the errors that we need to do this in. The second we invite him in, we give him permission to join with us, to commune with us, to spend time with us. We give him permission to to be involved in every part of our life. And then the third is we literally feed our spirit man. And we feed our spirit man um, in four different ways. The first one, we set our mind on the things of God. Romans 8, 5 discusses this. Through prayer, through word, and through faith put into action. And I'm telling you guys, it's so much fun. And if you get embarrassed, go back to your identity in Christ. Because if we're getting embarrassed or we feel self-conscious, you know, let's, let's get back to the word. Let's get back to basics on who is our identity in Christ. The second is, is, is dovetails into the first. These are progressive. As we set our minds on the things of God and we meditate on him and his word, on the spirit, um, we will start to be led by the spirit. We will start to grow in sensitivity. As we grow in that sensitivity, we must yield to it. It keeps our conscience soft so it doesn't get seared. So when you feel the leading and say, well, I'm not really sure, I don't really know, just go ahead and go for it. Don't be weird. Be normal. And just go for it and quietly try it out. He'll be faithful to you. Have there been times when I have have, have, um, got it wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bunch. A bunch of times. Um, and God is faithful, and he doesn't care. He cares about the heart. Now, as we continue to grow, and we go you know, higher up, and, and we're held to more accountable things, but we're not, we're not anywhere near that right now. We're just talking about foundational, cool foundational stuff, walking in the realm of the Spirit. Um, be sensitive to the, to, the, to the impressions of the Spirit. You'll get that sense inside of you. You'll get either that green light or that red light. Um, and when you get that, yield to it. John sixteen thirteen says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth, the Holy Spirit, to lead us. Because the scriptures tell us when he comes, when the day of Pentecost comes, and the Holy Spirit enters into us, he will lead his children to all truth. 
That's why we're under such a much more amazing covenant. So begin to expect that. And all these things roll upon each other. They, none of them exist in a vacuum. They're all foundations that interlock with each other. The more that we respond and, and expect the Holy Spirit to speak to us, we begin to yield to him. We invite him in. Um, we meditate on his word. What we're doing is we're beginning to make the transition to living our life by the mind of Christ, which gives us access to interact in the realm of the spirit. Um, here's what's really important at this point. I'll, I'll put that, the third point is put to death the deeds of the body by the leading of the spirit. Okay, so we can, the only way we can do this by the leading of the spirit is to make sure that we have our minds set on the things of God and then are being led and are being sensitive to the Spirit because the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to us about things in our life we need to let go of. He will address those things. If we don't spend time in his word, if we don't have our minds set on him, if we're not in agreement with him, we will look for things to cut out as a checklist to prove our self-righteousness. Again, that will not take you into the realm of the spirit. All that does is make us a Pharisee and makes us a well-behaved, carnal Christian. The way we sanctify our lives. Now, I'm not talking about something that's clearly written in the Word of God. If it's written in the Word of God, I have no business praying about it. If it violates the law of love, there's not a question. I'm not to do it. I don't have to pray about that. Um. But aside from that, the leading of the Holy Spirit, there are things the Lord has told me, David, I want you to look at this now. And I I usually don't give personal examples, not because I don't want to be transparent, because the, the examples almost become a stumbling block to other people because we all have our own walk. Many of the things the Lord has told me to give up, there uh, I have a legitimate need to, or not need, um, I have every, right, it's a tricky word. There's nothing wrong with them. They're permissible. It's not sin. But the Lord knows what's going on inside of me. He made me. He formed me. He knows what will hinder or get in the way of me walking in greater intimacy and greater sensitivity to the realm of the spirit. So through steps one and two, setting your mind in the things of God and being led by the spirit, only then, only then do we begin to practice by the leading of the spirit putting to death the deeds of, of the carnal man and whatever that is, and whatever that is. That's the difference between a self-righteous checklist of do's and don'ts and someone who's being led by the Spirit of God. And here's, here's our safeguard, guys. If at any point we're giving something up or we're making a change in a lifestyle, in a behavior, if anything we're doing makes us feel better about ourselves, makes us feel more special, more loved, more holy, you got to scrap it and go back to understanding righteousness. You have to go back to the beginning because we cannot do anything to add to our worth. So that's the safeguard to make sure we don't get off into, into self-righteousness. The fourth point of, um, of this how to die of the old man and walk in the realm of the spirit is rest. Just rest. 
Hebrews 4, 9 says uh, that there's a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters into God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from, from his. So again, just some, you know, basic, you know, wisdom, common sense here. You know, we say, well, one part it says, that it says faith without works is dead. So we have to have works. But now over here, Hebrews is contradicting. Hebrews 4 says we, we have to rest from our works. There are two different topics. In James 1, where it says faith without works is dead, it's talking about if you have a belief and don't act on that belief, that belief is no, no value. If I believe I have the authority to lay hands upon the sick and I don't ever pray for anybody, that belief is of no use. If I believe Jesus is the Messiah and I don't ever ask him, invite him to, to forgive me of my sins and receive the Spirit of God, knowing that knowledge is of no value to me. That's what James 1 is talking about, faith without works. In Hebrews 4, rest from works is talking about the works of earning something. Remember, the context of Hebrews are born-again Jews. They're coming out of the old covenant. They're entering into a new covenant. The Bible is still being written. The author of Hebrews is feeding them the new covenant revelation. They're talking about stopping with the sacrifices. Jesus is the fulfillment of the sacrifices. They're talking about just a secession. Enter into the Sabbath rest. We are called to the Sabbath rest. The seventh day was a type and shadow of the rest we have in Christ. It's a rest from any works to earn anything. That's so important. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Now that we understand what Jesus wasn't talking about earlier on in Matthew sixteen, now we can look at Matthew eleven twenty nine because Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There are two yokes. There's the yoke of the carnal man and there's the yoke of Christ. Another way of saying the yoke of Christ is the mind of Christ. There are two yokes. That's why Jesus says, my yoke is easy. Walking in the realm of the spirit, walking in my mind, submitted to the spirit, communing as spirit beings with my kingdom is easy. There's rest in that. Walking by the carnal-minded man is not easy. It brings death. That's what Jesus is saying here. That's what he's beginning to explain, expound upon. Here's something that's really important to understand, and we're going to round out with this. When you invite him in and begin feeding your spirit, begin setting your mind on the realms of the spirit, understanding your identity as a son and daughter of God is forever secured. Right? We're not looking to enter into the realm of the spirit so that we can move in giftings to feel special about ourselves. That will always lead to some type of witchcraft, some type of perversion. It's overrated. Uh, you know, it's, it's just um, nothing good will come of that. We have to first always go back to our foundation. When we have our foundation and we begin to seek intimacy because it's, it's our right, it's been given to us, whenever we seek and feed our spirit and invite him in, he will respond. Our heavenly dad will respond. He will respond in two ways. The first is revelation. He will give us an initial deeper insight into something we didn't know. Jeremiah 33.3 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you and tell you 
great and unsearchable things that you did not know. That word unsearchable means things that cannot be normally found. They are hidden in the kingdom. There are things that are hidden in the spirit realm that cannot be discerned except by abiding in the spirit. And when we begin to feed the spirit and attempt to minister to our spirit being and to commune with him, he will respond one with revelation. That revelation will never contradict the word of God taken in context. A new revelation is always take it, mull it over, take your time with it. There's things that, that, you know, he's showing me now that I, I have no business speaking on because I don't own it. I'm, he's just showing me some things. I'm turning them around. I'm being very deliberate. Um, you, you know, my, my fellowship is supporting me with this, but they're not, and they're not things to share. Be very deliberate with them. And that's good. That's part of the process. That's part of meditating and chewing on the word of God. And the spirit will give us initial revelation. We take that back to him and he will give us greater revelation. Always in alignment with the written word of God. The second thing he's going to do, the first he's going to give us an initial deeper insight and revelation into his nature, and that nature will be seen in the word. It will be confirmed in the word. The second thing he does is pruning. First Peter 1 says this, tells us that he refines and purifies the revelation he gives us. When he gives us a revelation, he begins immediately to put the fire to it, to test it, to refine it. That's why I say take your time with the revelation. Just rest on it, actively meditate on it, engage the Holy Spirit. That's where faith comes in. The works of our relationship is doing with him, talking to him about it. Get into the Word. Study that thing he's showing you. Um, if you know someone that you know has an area where, where they walk in that, ask them for some insight. Talk to them, but get back to your prayer closet. Get back into the Word of God. He is the author and finisher of your faith. Uh, but the body of Christ is meant to help each other with that. After that, there's going to be pruning. He's going to test and he's going to refine it. First Peter one seven and also John 15.2 says that wherever we are fruitful, he prunes us even more. We need to stop saying that the devil's attacking us. Now, I know people that are called on the front lines, and I know that there are people that do come under heavy attack. I know that. And there are many um, um, mature believers in the body of Christ that are standing on the wall on behalf of their family, behalf of their loved ones. Not, I'm not referring to that. I'm talking about, you know, you flick on YouTube or you flick on some of the, the latest whatever Christian channel, every single sermon, um, every, a lot of them are, are cookie cutouts about how the devil is attacking you here and attacking you there and just stand firm. The devil is going to be sorry he ever met you and just this regurgitated nonsense when the reality is, is our heavenly dad loves us so intensely and he has promised us in the word he will give us revelation and he, that he will prune us when we are fruitful. And he promised us in 1 Peter 1, 7, that he will purify and refine us in order to have us walk in greater realms of glory. So um, I just want to encourage you guys, it's okay. We don't have to be afraid. When we go through a tough time, we're being refined so that we can walk in deeper realms of glory, deeper realms of his kingdom. 
uh, man, it's like, what else are we doing here, right? You know, I mean, we're seated with Christ. We're spirit beings. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, the same spirit of God that parted an ocean, parted a river, and did countless things, right? You pick your favorite memory in the Bible. That lives inside of us. The glory cloud is in you. It's inside of you, waiting to be tapped. So we stop moving by by the soul, by the mind, by the intellect, by our theology, and we allow the word of God, sound theology, to propel us into the glory, propel us into intimacy and communion. Now our walk isn't about a religion. Now it's about a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power, knowing we're loved, feeling the reality of his presence, feeling the reality of... If someone is thinking, well, if that's true, then why does Paul say we walk by faith and not by sight? It's a fantastic question, and like everything else, we round out. Everything is in context. You look at the scripture verse before and after what Paul's talking about there. When he's saying we walk by faith and not by sight, he's talking when we do not see into the realm of the Spirit, we believe what the Word says. We don't always see what we know is true. We move from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from, from realm to realm, deeper realms of Him. We walk by our word of faith means belief. We walk by our beliefs, which are to be formed on the word of God and not by what we do or don't see with the spirit, with our spiritual eyes. And because we have this physical being and we interact with a physical reality, we have five physical senses. We do not walk by our five physical senses. That's why he says we walk by faith, by belief, not by our physical sight. But as we develop the practice of walking in the Spirit, we will see more and more because that is who we are. We are spirit beings meant to commune with the Lord in spirit and in truth. Look in the book of Acts. It's loaded with it. It was common. This is our destiny. This is our calling to commune with him in intimacy in the realm of the Spirit. And in this hour, in this year in particular in the United States, the Lord is calling his children that will answer the call to enter into greater union and intimacy in him. He's calling us to himself. Anything we do apart from that is missing the call. That plan's always been in there. It's always been the Bible. But there is a herald going forth now in this hour in this country for people that will hear and see his voice, commune with him in power and in truth, where the realm of the spirit is just as real as the realm of this, of this world that we see. And that's our destiny. That is our calling. So that's how it's cyclical is that as we continue to feed on these things, it releases greater intimacy. He tests it through revelation and through pruning. The scriptures say, 1 Peter 1.7, that pruning releases greater glory in us by those who have been trained by it. If we go through pruning and our mindset is not submitted to the spirit man and our mindset 
Is he still the carnal-minded man saying, I'm just being attacked and the attack, I can't wait to get through this. We finally get some relief. He missed the purpose of the trial. We don't come out any different than before the trial. And we don't enter into greater righteousness, an understanding of righteousness. We don't enter into greater realms of the glory. We don't come away with a greater impartation of his nature. We just sit back and we say, whew, man, I knew it. He was faithful. Glad I had a ton of people praying for me. Whew, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't, you know, get on that prayer chain. And we miss the whole purpose of the pruning, of the trial. Again, I'm not talking about those. There are those people that I know that are standing in the gap. I'm not talking about legitimate spiritual warfare on behalf of others or where the enemy is attacking you. Those things are real and I've experienced them. And they're, they're real. Absolutely. You know, the Bible tells us that. But by and large, the Lord is not taking his sheep. He's not taking those that are, that are, that are looking to grow up into righteousness. Um, those pruning, those trials are very gentle, hand-picked, one-off, custom-made trials that are very safe, designed to bring a greater revelation of something about him you didn't know that he wants to galvanize in you to walk in greater and greater realms of his glory. So um, that's pretty much finishing up what we have tonight. Before we do it, I want to say you know, one thing. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We have gotten this false belief that somehow we are transformed into his image apart from communion with him. And um, we begin to rely upon our strengths, our abilities. Uh, for those that are in, are, are in more, uh, have a charismatic background that, that may have already been cultivating some of your giftings, and we begin to draw upon the things around us instead of drawing upon Christ that's in us. We cannot move in greater realms of his glory and greater realms of his spirit apart from communion with and in him. We seek him. And as we seek him and him alone, the ability to discern and abide and from the thinking in the mind of Christ subject to us as ourselves as spirit beings, we will walk in greater communion with him. The Father sends out the invitation. He's sending out an invitation to have a deeper walk with him. Accepting this removes the veils. So let, let's sum it all up. We talked about what is the spirit realm. It's the realm in which the Lord interacts. He created everything, every realm, but he is spirit, and that's the realm that we interact and that we are. We are spirit beings. We commune with him in spirit. That's what walking in the spirit is. It's us literally communing, speaking, dialoguing, interacting with his kingdom. It is not, that is not theology to be only mental assent. We are called to interact in his glory. The second, uh, excuse me, the third, what hinders us from walking in it, be a bottom line of sin, contending with him, contending in the areas, and we discussed that a little bit. Uh, and the fourth, how we overcome and abide in it is, is we repent, we turn to him, we turn to his word, and we invite him to change us from the inside out. We do this four ways. We set our mind on the things of God. We learn to be led by the spirit of God. The third, we put to death the deeds of the flesh by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And four is we rest in him. 
we learn what it means to be complete and loved unconditionally. And um, I'm going to read just 2 Corinthians 3.16. But, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So I just want to end on that note, something to meditate on. To, to, um, I've, heard it, I've heard it put as an anchor point, and I, I'm liking that more and more, something to anchor ourselves to. Um, I've always used the word joined. We have something to join to, to attach to. And the scriptures are meant, it, it, uh, one of many things, to give us something to meditate on so that we can identify with it, so that we can anchor ourselves to it, attach ourselves, join with it, so that we can begin moving and fulfilling our call to commune with him here in this realm in spirit and in truth. So that's the teaching that we have for on that and walking in the, in the realm of the spirit. Dorothy, um. Any questions on, on your end before we close out, or, or is anyone uh, wanting to ask a question? No one's asked a question. I thought that was quite comprehensive, actually. Uh, thanks, Dorothy. I hope, uh, to, well, you know, that's the great thing about having it on tape is that I can go back to it and listen to it again. Um, but it was, it, uh, thank you. I'm glad it's comprehensive. It's meant to be really, I mean, uh, it's not a complicated walk. It's really not. It's meant to be interacting by the spirit realm. It's, it's just, guys, it's meant to be so normal. It is normal Christian living. Uh, that is the norm. You know, we have inverted it and we say, oh, you know, if a person is sensitive or is perceiving this or perceiving that, uh, you know, uh, they're super spiritual. That's It's normal. It's meant to be normal. You know, it's meant to be normal. Um, so praise God. I hope this this was a blessing to everyone. And thank you, Dorothy, for the feedback. As always, thank you always for your prayers. I know you're praying for and me when I'm sharing. And someone their hand in the queue if you want me to open their mic. Absolutely. Okay, hold on. Area code 910, you have a question? Um, actually, not a question, Jess. I just want to align with what Brother um, David has been talking about. Oh, my gosh. The Holy Spirit. But Well, I listened to one of the lessons, and I found that I realized and I found that I was contending with the word, that I was secure in Christ. And I kept telling myself or I, just based on probably the relationship from my childhood I had to produce in order to be worthy of acceptance and love and then that got perpetuated by going to some of the congregations I was attending that said that you know you're never going to be good enough to be you know like one of the elders or the pastor or whatever mm. However, I just, the Lord told me that he was going to take me through what was what I called the three Ps. He said he was going to purge me, prune me, and prepare me. 
and he started purging up all this stuff, this indoctrinated stuff that I had no idea was even in there. And I've come to a place where I now truly have come to believe, and I, and I know it's true because the Word tells me that I am accepted by the Lord and it has nothing to do with me having to produce or you know work it out or uh, be a certain way and I cannot even begin to tell you how much freedom and how much peace that has um, brought into my life and the one thing every time you say the word rest it just resonates inside of me that's what the Lord been saying to me, just relax, relax in me, rest in me, trust me. And I'm just, I just want to tell you, I appreciate your lessons. I appreciate your message, you know, the teachings. It has given me, and I've been just delving into the word like, <laughs> like I, I mean, I feel like I was all these years famished. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm starting to just read the word and and looking at it and saying, how come I didn't see that before? How come I didn't recognize that before? Yeah. And it's coming alive. And thank you so much. Oh, praise God. He, 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 thank you for that feedback because that so encouraged me, encourages me. And, and he's just, you know, dad is so faithful and, and he is really, he, he's doing that in this hour. He is, he's, he is doing an amazing thing in the body of Christ in this hour. And, um, I, I want to encourage you with something just while you while you were sharing. Um, what I believe the Lord was showing me is that that, and, and we actually talked about it a little bit uh, tonight, um, which is so funny, because what is going to take place, I believe, is the Lord is going to begin to drive that identity issue deeper home in you. Yeah. He wants that to, to be absolutely your cornerstone. And the way he's going to do that is through situations that will um, place you directly in uh, an opportunity to test that belief system with interactions that will contradict that. Oh, I'm laughing too cryptic. Sorry, <laughs> 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 what are you going to do? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Um, My fellowship loves when I do that. Um, Okay, so so what's going to happen is you're going to be placed in situations where the belief systems he's instilling with you about who you are as a daughter of of the Lord, complete, blameless, holy, that's going to be challenged through rejection, through disapproval, through non-acceptance. There's going to be interactions that are going to place you face-to-face with this so that you can practice the meditating on his truth in the midst of those lies that will try to put you in bondage to that old belief system. In fact, so that, yeah. David, it has already happened. I called a sister that at a, at a church, a church, a brick and mortar church that I was just visiting a couple of times. And I told her, I was like, you know, I want to start having a home Bible study and um, I want us to be able to delve into the word where we can interact with one another and ask questions and, you know, sure. come together and just 
you know, delve into the word together as opposed to just sitting like baby birds with our mouths open and having some information shoved down our throats and we never get the opportunity to interact. And she yeah. said, oh, my God, you have to come back to church. You can't, you can't not go to church. And I was like, wait a minute, we are the church. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 praise God. You're, you, you're going to, um, I just see you entering into a season of that. Wow. And and it's a good thing. It's a really Amen. good thing. Because that's how that's how your belief system, the mind of Christ, is going to be galvanized so that you have complete rest in the midst of those that with without even knowing it, they will oppose that and the enemy will try to use that to put you under a yoke of bondage. So, so as you begin experiencing that, just rejoice in it. Thank God for it. Get into what the Word says about you, and recognize that that pruning, that trial for for what it is. Um, it's a good thing. Amen. It's a good thing. Thank you, thank you, and it is a good thing. And I appreciate all that you do as a member of the body of Christ. Keep going and. You know, as I usually sign my um, email, um, whenever I send out an email, I just say, until the whole world hears, let's keep, you know, sharing Amen. with one another and growing until the whole world hears. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for calling and for sharing. That really, really encourages me. And thank you and for all the listeners for all the prayers. I know there's so many of you praying for me. Um, I can tell you firsthand, you know, I can use them. I can always use them. So thank you. And, Amen. Uh, and Sarah, thank you for calling in. Thank you. You're welcome. You're very welcome. God bless you. Okay. God bless you. Look forward to talking again soon. Okay. <laughs> Take care. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was great. I love that feedback. I, I just, what a blessing. God is so faithful. Uh, so, uh, Dorothy, anyone else out there? No, that, that was it. Okie dokie. That was it. Close off with that, and um, we'll, we'll reconvene back here and Lord willing in two weeks and um, you have a wonderful weekend Dorothy and uh, I know I'm going to have a wonderful weekend in the Lord and uh, talking about all this stuff where this just motivates and convicts me to get off my butt and start getting deeper in with the Lord myself so uh, I have some stuff to do myself this weekend and tonight so so for all of you listening whether uh, you know you joined in live uh, thank you God bless and for those listening afterwards Again, a lot of the things we talk about, all these things dovetailing together. And again, um, sorry to be a broken record, but many of you have asked about it. I keep getting um, emails and, and heartfelt inquiries. DWMurray.com is the website that um, I write on a lot of these things, which reinforces the foundation, the scriptural foundation of what we talk about. So um, I'd be blessed and honored if there's anything in there that ministered to anybody. Check that, that out. And, Dorothy, thank you so much, as always. Thank you for, for your faithfulness and, and ministry that you do that allows us to be able to share here and minister to one another. And I will catch up with you um, well before two weeks, that's for sure. But you have a wonderful weekend. And you as well, David. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Dorothy. Father bless. Father bless. Good night.